Frank Sands, your hostess for the day. Under December skies, weatherman says run for cover. There is no moon out, nothing to tune out. Passionate gazes from a young lover. Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to another Disney Nutcracker. Mickey's Nutcracker is a Disneyland stage show from the early 90s that was recorded for broadcast. In addition to the Disneyland show, there's also a cartoon adaptation that took the story in a whole other direction. Both of these were pretty short, so we figured we'd just combine them into one podcast. However, I will say, even though this episode is pretty short, we did go off on a few wild tangents. And I cut some of them out of this episode, so if you want the extended, extra-ridiculous tangenty version of this episode, check out my Patreon. Okay, let's get on with this very random Christmas in July episode, talking about Mickey's Nutcracker. Okay, so we'll do the cartoon first, and from what I've read, this thing has been kind of recycled several times. I think it originated as part of the show Mickey Mouse Works, which is pretty much impossible to find online, and then they took the cartoon, the Nutcracker, and then reused it for an episode of The House of Mouse, which is how... I found it for us to watch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that was later taken and recycled as part of a direct-to-video movie, Mickey's Magical Christmas Snowed In at the House of Mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, you know, Disney is quite a lot about recycling things, as as we've seen with, you know, live-action things and this, and, you know, it works. Yeah, I mean, they've got something. They might as well be resourceful with it. I kind of do the same thing with my podcasts. If it fits for multiple podcasts, it's going to be multiple podcasts. This will probably end up both on every version ever and on the Disney Movie Marathon. But we don't have a really weird-looking Sebastian out of the mix. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just saying. So, have you guys seen The House of Mouse before? Uh, I think my nieces might have watched it a time or two. Like, uh, from what I under from what I understand of the show, I the concept is cute. Just like doing the kind of like live show and like, oh hey, look at this thing, kind of a deal. So yeah, I remember when it was on. I don't know that I watched a whole lot of it because we didn't have the Disney Channel. And if it re-aired on network television like a Saturday morning thing. I don't know that it aired long enough that I would have caught it or when it would have re-aired because that depends too. Because like depending on how old I was when it was re-aired, I don't know. I know if it was on, I saw it because I remember watching some of it, but I don't remember where I watched it. I don't remember if I watched it at home or at my grandparents' house. So I know I've seen some of it, but not enough that I'm super familiar with it. It's one of those Mm -hmm. things that I kind of wish would go on Disney Plus and they haven't put it on there yet yeah yeah they definitely have like they're they're selective and like how they choose what goes on and what doesn't is i I would love to know the process because it it is very much like roll the dice okay this is going that's going but that other thing will not the nutcracker cartoon is kind of bookended by house of mouse stuff 
and it's I don't remember how much of this is like an actual episode because it's been so long since I've seen it. So I don't know if it's normal to have most of the episode be recycled cartoons and just a little bit of stuff bookending. Because there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that was like just for this episode. They kind of bookended. It was mostly the Nutcracker. They bookended it with, there's supposed to be like a gift exchange and Pete wants in, but he wants in to play Santa and steal everyone's gifts. They couldn't get the rights to the Grinch, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And then you had a whole bunch of shenanigans with Mortimer Mouse trying to get Minnie to kiss him, repeatedly accidentally kissing Clarabelle Cow instead. And then Pete, (laughs) for some reason, later on. (laughs) Is that who that was, Mortimer Mouse? I I had no idea. It's like, okay, who's this kind of like shifty looking rat guy? Yeah, he's kind of one of the obscure characters. He wasn't in that many early cartoons, but he was usually like a foil for Mickey's, like mm-hmm. what, going after Minnie, like ah, okay. a love rival. Wasn't he initially, because Mickey Mouse was originally Mortar Mouse, yeah? That was, what, that was one of the names that they were thinking about for Mickey before he became Mickey. And then ah, once okay. they had Mickey, they decided to use the name as sort of like an anti-Mickey. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. His, uh, oh, what is the term? I'm trying to think. Bizarro. Bizarro Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but yeah, through all the stuff with the gift exchange, you get the story of the Nutcracker. And you have Minnie playing Maria and Professor Ludwig von Drake playing Drosselmeyer. And then there's also a narrator who I'm 99.9% sure is John Cleese. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're right. That's that's who it sounded like to me. Yeah, it Which does. random. Yeah, I suppose in that time and place, like he was doing a lot of a lot of stuff, and yeah, like he can play the goof, like not actually goofy, but he can play a goofy role and Mm -hmm. uh, still have that, you know, that classic British, you know, I am intelligent or I am, I am, I am the narrator. Please listen, you know, kind of a thing. So Mm -hmm. class it up a bit, maybe. Kind of as much as you can class this one up. One thing I really liked about this version was the electric guitar rendition of the Nutcracker music. <laughs> I did really, in, in both of these, I really did enjoy the variations. Like, they they went outside mm-hmm. the box quite a lot. A lot, especially in the next one. But this one, first, I, I just really liked the electric guitar. I, I couldn't tell if they'd mixed in, like, a kazoo into the background, too, but it sounded unique, and I liked it. Very. Yeah. And this This is a very shortened version of the story you have drosselmeyer breaking the nutcracker instead of maria's brother and then he gets kicked out of the story by the narrator (laughs) (laughs) seemed like the good move (laughs) and then maria is in love with the toy wishes it was real and then she shrinks down to the size of a doll and i need i need to like reread the story but i i don't think this is following most of the story very closely at all I think they made most of this up, which becomes more and more apparent as it goes on. <laughs> because the st- all the stuff with the Mouse King, like, like the Mouse King in the book, it's a Mouse Queen. And the, the character of the King is actually her oldest son who takes over after she's killed. So they've done away with that entirely. And now it's Donald playing the Mouse King. But he didn't want to do it until he found out that the Mouse King wins. But that was a lie by the narrator to get him to do it. <laughs> And I, when he showed up, I was thinking they should have had Mortimer do this role. <laughs> <laughs> it would have made a lot more sense to have him as the evil mouse king. 
It was also quite strange to see Donald without any, like, I know he doesn't wear pants, but the lack of shirt, he looked very, very <laughs> underdressed. <laughs> I liked his buck teeth. <laughs> they also have a train chase for some reason, which I don't believe was in the book. And Goofy shows up. I, I don't know if he's supposed to be the sugar plum fairy. <laughs> he, he says he wants to be the magical snow fairy that can instantly transport them to the evil mouse king's kingdom. And I don't know if that's supposed to be the sugar plum fairy or not. And at this point, there's like a commercial break, and then you're back at the house of mouse. And this cracked me up because the first segment before you get back to the Nutcracker story was you get the science of Santa with Professor Von Drake. And... <laughs> I love the part where he's talking about part of the reason that Santa's going around the world so fast is the motivation to get milk and cookies. And then he bites the head off a gingerbread man and you cut to the audience and there's characters from an early Disney short. I think it's called the cookie carnival (laughs) who are in the audience (laughs) watching and are horrified that he's eating one of them. (laughs) I think the main character from that short faints at the sight of the cookies head getting bitten off. (laughs) Hey, for some people that could be a very traumatic thing. (laughs) And then you get a very random Fantasia parody. (laughs) Because (laughs) Pete wants to, to steal all the presents. So he decides he needs help. So first he steals Yen Sid's hat. And Yen Sid is the wizard from Fantasia and he brings all the brooms to life like Mickey did in the Sorcerer's Apprentice and then it's like a very quick parody of the Sorcerer's Apprentice with similar lighting and Pete directing the brooms like a conductor but it's to the tune of Good King Wenceslas (laughs) instead of the Sorcerer's (laughs) Apprentice (laughs) and then eventually get back to the Nutcracker and then there's a battle for Maria. Mickey's battling Donald while Goofy is trying to free her, and you get more electric nutcracker. They eventually escape, but Goofy gets trapped in a snow globe scepter, which I <laughs> I don't remember from, from the book or from the play. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Um, the, the thing that you mentioned, the electric nutcracker, that sounds like it would be like a really great uh, band name. <laughs> it would. <laughs> They should do like, I'm sure they probably have, like an electric, like a Mannheim steamroller type stage show for the Nutcracker. That would be be really cool. cool. (laughs) I know there's a fair amount of um, Nutcracker stuff that has been done by Mannheim and probably, um, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but beyond that, I don't know. They should just do a whole show. Maybe well, they no, have, we got, we got a country rendition or like a kind of a, well, we got a country rendition of um, one of the songs and in the other one that we're going to be talking about, I, you know, they can do that. You got a lot of versions of things in the other one. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, Donald is eventually defeated, but ends up trapped inside the scepter with Goofy, upset that he didn't win. Mm-hmm. And then Ludwig von Drosselmeyer shows up again and tells them that the scepter was actually his. The Mouse King usurped him, and he was the rightful king of the Sugar Plum Fairies. And then he sprouts wings, and an army of Sparkle Fairies follows him out of the story. And the narrator (laughs) is basically just completely confused by everything that just happened. (laughs) Like I said, I think they kind of made up their own everything. 
I'm pretty sure that's in the original book. <laughs> okay. Oh, it has to be. <laughs> Most accurate adaptation. Yes. Yeah. No notes. Keep doing what you're doing. Chuck Norris approves. <laughs> and then you go back to the House of Mouse and you get Pete trying to hide the stolen goods, shoving them into a vent. But it turns out that the vent was a furnace and he incinerated all the gifts and then discovers that <laughs> they were actually for him anyways. But I don't know if they were lying to make him feel bad or what. <laughs> 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 you also get a quick cartoon about Donald building a snowman with a bomb for some reason. But I was actually typing up notes for the previous part and I didn't pay enough attention. And by the time I finished the notes, it was over because it was so short and I didn't go back and rewatch it. <laughs> you also get another bit with Mortimer and Minnie. And for some reason, I guess Pete is on Minnie's side because Mortimer tries to kiss her and he shows up and kisses him instead. <laughs> I guess he did a 180 after the whole gift fiasco. And then you end on a weird commercial for Geppetto's Toy Shop, talking about, like, you have this, a stereotypical Carnival Barker announcer guy for a commercial talking about how they've lost their conscience and everything must go, and their little donkey boys are working hard in the salt mines <laughs> to save you money. <laughs> and their tagline is, not all toys become good little boys. <laughs> I was like, this is bizarre. That is <laughs> cheeky I, as hell. <laughs> kind of fitting that, like, as we're recording this, I'm still in the middle of my Pinocchio series. So <laughs> it kind of fits in with everything that I'm working on right now. <laughs> I would also add, and this is a minor point, but the fact that um, Pete wanted to pull the seven dwarves to be his elves uh, earlier on was <laughs> pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> They also had a joke about snow being in the building because it was snow white. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's where that one ends. Short, simple, and to the point. Four out of five stars, we say check it out. Yeah. <laughs> you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be really confused. <laughs> but your toes will be tapping because the music is really catchy. Yes. So now we've got a much longer special. This was actually apparently a show at Disneyland that they recorded in the early 90s and aired on TV. And I'm not sure, I need to look up who the narrator was, but he sounded like one of those trailer narrators from the 90s, if you know what I'm talking about. Like like Don LaFontaine, kind of. Mm -hmm. Let's see who was the narrator, if it's on IMDb or something. I was going to say, the when they showed his face, he looked really familiar, but I couldn't place him. Mark Bunker? No idea, really. He doesn't have a very long IMDb page. Hmm. Maybe he's someone within Disney? I'm going to guess he's not usually an actor, because all of his other credits are producers, crew, and filmmaker. He apparently was behind Leah Remini's Scientology documentary series. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, you know, you go from uh, uh, an interesting music ver version of the Nutcracker to, you know, Scientology documentaries. It is kind of a natural path. Of course. How much had he done back? Because this was this came out in '92. How much did he do to that point? That's that was the first thing on here. Wow. I don't see anything before that. Someone looked at him and said, "Hey, you have a good voice." <laughs> Maybe, Come with maybe me. he worked at Disneyland. That could have Absolutely. been his inroad to the 
to this show because like this started as a show at Disneyland and I don't know who the other actors were besides like the regular voice actors, but they looked like people who would be at Disneyland and nobody's credited on IMDb as the other, the dancers and everything. Well, and being that it was not, not to say that they don't do, because as a YouTuber, you could like put all your stuff in there as a, as an actor or as Mm -hmm. a, as a presenter. But I would imagine for a, a stage show like that from the 90s, that's maybe known but not greatly known. It's not something that you're going to out, you know, automatically pop up on IMDb. Mm-hmm. But everybody there looked like somebody who you would see at Disneyland. So I'm just going to assume that that's who they were. Just Disneyland cast. So I think those backup Nutcracker uh, soldiers uh, with the with the the bikini shorts or the bikini pants. <laughs> um, do you normally see those at Disneyland? Uh, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I will say like uh, Mickey was just like, I brought some friends, and she's just like, what kind of friends? And then they walked out. I'm like, oh no, what kind of friends are these? Mickey? <laughs> I mean, you think about it, though, it was the 90s and like, I was not just to say, not say to say it was the, the 90s. <laughs> well, that and, you know, not that the Rockets, not that they aren't still around, but I think that was kind of, you heard a lot more about them back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So they were probably copying that style of, okay, if we're going to back up people dancing, they need to be, they need to have that look. Yeah. And not that they were pulling high kicks, but I that probably is just, was part of the way that they just dressed then. <laughs> Probably. That's me guessing, but yeah. Yeah, this thing starts out like it's a commercial for Disneyland, but then transitions into the Nutcracker. And they've added lyrics to the music. I didn't write any of the lyrics down, but I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't think I've seen I don't think I've seen lyrics added to too many other versions. I haven't watched a whole lot of versions yet, but off the top of my head, that doesn't sound like something that you would normally see is people adding lyrics to the song. I feel like purists would probably find it sacrilegious. <laughs> <laughs> but the people who are singing did a good job. So it was kind of cheesy, but I actually liked it. Yeah. It was like nostalgia for something that I wasn't nostalgia for. <laughs> <laughs> and this version takes place at Minnie's Christmas Party, which is apparently the social event of the season. And you get a bunch of costumed characters along with a bunch of non-costumed characters who are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have all the normal, your staples, Goofy, Pluto, Mickey, and Minnie and such. But then all of a sudden, Roger Rabbit shows up. Uh, yeah, and I was thinking, they must have filmed this, like, because they, re- as far as I know, back when the Roger Rabbit movie came out, they were really trying to make Roger Rabbit a main character. And this was, like, right after that. So they were probably just trying to put him in wherever they could. It's like we paid for the costume. We got the voice actor for another six months. Just put him on everything. You know, (laughs) not that I like I love Roger Rabbit. It's one of my favorite like Disney movies. But yeah, oof. (laughs) It was it was interesting. It was it was definitely interesting. That's a good way to put it. More power to them for trying to push new stuff because, you know, you always need to up your game, you know, change things up. You know, mm-hmm. add some new life to it, but I'm not sure Roger Rabbit is the best one to do. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get into what he ended up doing later, which was <laughs> also very of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so beyond the costumed characters, you also have a character named Conrad, 
who is apparently very rich and handsome, but lonely. When they started focusing on this guy, I was like, what is going on here? This is bizarre. <laughs> you know what? I, I think that a lot of people could relate to being really good looking, well off and quite lonely. <laughs> Especially the people at Disney World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luckily not Roger Rabbit. <laughs> you also have Minnie's neighbor, Tina, who is only there for the food. And Ethel, who is the life of the party. (laughs) And also the narrator, who brings a giant present, which turns out to be the Nutcracker Mickey. And when they opened that box, I was like, I bet they based the cartoon Mickey Nutcracker off of this prop. Mm -hmm. Because it looked very similar. (laughs) And I know, like, not that it was made for the House of Mouse, but I'm sure some of the same people were on it. With the House of Mouse, they like to do deep cuts to more obscure stuff. So I bet that they based it, at least in part, on this prop, just as a reference. It makes sense. I mean, they tend to do that quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And then the narrator makes everyone leave so they can go on with the story. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we only have a half hour. You got to get out of (laughs) here. And then that night, the Nutcracker comes to life and brings in a tap-dancing troop of soldiers one of which is tina for some reason and then then i was like oh that's why they focused on these party guests then i was like okay well that means that ethel is the sugar plum fairy and conrad is probably the mouse king but he turned out to be the rat king instead of the mouse king i guess they didn't want to besmirch the name of mice because mickey and minnie are mice (laughs) that's a really good point i didn't think about that And these soldiers do like a jitterbug version of the Nutcracker, which was an interesting take on the music. I really like when they do the different versions of the songs. Like I've always liked, I mean, I have a podcast called Every Version Ever. That doesn't, my interest in different versions of things doesn't stop at only movies. I like when they do different versions of music as well. So this is kind of right up my alley, even if it's weird and cheesy. Yeah. (laughs) That makes it better, really. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. I was like, okay, this is really strange, but I kind of love it. And I'm really glad that I've chose you guys to talk about this one with. <laughs> <laughs> so they get through the, with this jitterbug version of the Nutcracker. And then Tina is famished, so all the soldiers leave to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is so weird. And then mice start coming up through the floor, and the narrator calls them hench rats. Then you get an electric guitar version of the song, The Rat King appears. But in this version, apparently he was once a handsome prince, and he's now under a curse, which is not from any version that I know of. (laughs) It's a good setup for a happy ending, though. Very. (laughs) Yeah. And the only thing that can break this curse is apparently sugar. For some reason. Because <laughs> rats hate sugar. Yeah, poor guy. That was so weird. Like, you have him wanting to break this curse, and the, the narrator has already said that sugar breaks the curse, so why does he hate sugar? Does he want to break the curse or not? <laughs> 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 and then he does an angry hard rock rap about hating Christmas. <laughs> I was just cracking up at at how weird and cheesy this was. And I I was like, this is not that great, but also I love it. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then the rats terrorize the soldiers who just scream wildly and do nothing. (laughs) 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 This is all so bizarre. It was quite fun, though. Like when I when I started watching it, I thought, oh, God, it's a stage show. Oh, that's not good. (laughs) Then he got into it and it was genuinely there was it was really creatively done. And there, there's mm-hmm. a, like they they took the source material and they, I mean, obviously they made it their own, but they they took unique decisions and they 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 did some cool stuff. So it was good. Yeah, they they definitely did not make it boring. True. <laughs> then you have the Rat King ab- apparently about to kill Mickey, <laughs> and then <laughs> Minnie sneaks up behind him and smashes him over the head, and he like slowly descends through the floor. Like the Wicked Witch of the West melting, (laughs) vowing to be back. (laughs) And then Tina is starving again, so all the soldiers leave to get another snack. (laughs) So then after the soldiers leave, Mickey asks Minnie if she wants to come with him to his kingdom of Candyland. And they get into a sleigh pulled by Pluto, who Minnie says looks just like my dog, because it is her dog, because she... (laughs) Established earlier that Pluto is her dog in this version. (laughs) And then you get what I thought was going to be like a traditional version of the Snowflake Waltz until Ethel the Sugar Plum Fairy shows up and does a jazz version with lyrics to to the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. After that, Mickey and Minnie continue on their way, and the Rat King tunnels up through the floor again, trying to figure out where they went. And then he sees the fairy's wand, and he's, like, trying to charm her, thinking that the wand will break his curse. But she says, no, only the deluxe model can do that. (laughs) (laughs) And then he tells her to buzz off, so she goes back to her little seat thing that she flies in on, and she gets out a very 90s-looking touch-tone phone. (laughs) And calls the exterminator, which has the digits sound like the Nutcrackers music as she's dialing. And she calls the exterminator a report a rat infestation and flies (laughs) off. (laughs) Then the narrator's talking about where they went and the Rat King, like this breaks the fourth wall all the time with the Rat King. The Rat King overhears the narrator telling us that they're on their way to Candyland. So then he's upset about this because he hates that place. All that sugar. <laughs> and I was like, he should be happy about having to go to a place with all that sugar. He can break his curse. He just told the fairy that he wanted her wand to break the curse. Yeah, for not want for not wanting to be a rat, he certainly is do- doing everything possible to remain a rat. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it though. You know, there's there shouldn't be plot holes in something this well put together. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's a solid story. It's like you know the Gatsby of the '90s. I mean, like honestly, <laughs> the quality of media, everyone. I know. I'm disappointed. Like it's, I, I will still say it's funny, but uh, my the the plot holes they're a little too much to bear. If we're being honest, I mean. This lack of consistency with the Rat King, you know, I I just, I don't have words. I may need a minute. (laughs) So they end up at the Candyland, and Goofy is apparently the mayor, and he declares Minnie their national heroine for saving the Nutcracker (laughs) from the Rat King. 
So long as it's not national heroin as far as like the drug, because that would be bad. <laughs> also, I do have one other question, and I genuinely am asking this. When they talk about Candyland, you know, do you remember the game Candyland that we played as kids? Yeah. This has no basis in that. Like, there's no connection between the Candyland of Nutcracker and the Candyland of that game, right? I don't think so. I mean, it's a generic... I don't know. Like, it's... There are 15 places called Al's Toy Barn or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even sure if Candyland is what it's called in the book. I feel like they made that up for this version, but I have... I've got the book with me right now. I'm like, I haven't actually read the full book yet. I'm just going to see if I can figure out what they called it in here. If it turns out to be Sweetsville, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> actually, you're close. Really? At least on the page that I just opened to, they call it Confectionville. Oh. <laughs> that that really? doesn't sound right. I wonder if this is like a weird translation. Like sometimes you get with versions of Pinocchio. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna add something to the end of it, it should really be Confectionsburg, Sweet, if it's Sweetsville, Confectionsburg, you know, I don't know, <laughs> Chocolate well, Springs. They're, they're naming a bunch of places. I'm just flipping through, and I keep seeing different places. You've got the Raisin Gate, and there's Candy Meadow, <laughs> Gingerbreadville. So maybe, I, maybe okay. there is a place. Maybe it is Candyland. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Where from what I remember, um, from like short adaptations I read when I was a kid, I think it was called like the Land of Sweets. That's usually. what I thought it was. That's like what I usually say it. So they just wanted it to be Candyland this time, I guess. I assumed that they gave the name Candyland in this version only because I've not heard it called that before. I was going to say, I was unfamiliar with it, but I'm not as familiar with uh, Nutcracker as you guys are. Well, I'm not really either. This is <laughs> this is like that. my first real <laughs> deep dive into it, is doing this series. Fair. I'm just going to say it, though. Raisin Gate? That sounds like a very interesting place. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't only like raisins. If have, only if you have Chocolate Gate and Peanut Gate to make, you know, Trail Mix Gate. Yeah, there we go. Well, there was an almond gate as well. Oh. I just didn't mention that one. <laughs> okay, I can get behind that. Maybe, maybe that was Trail Mix Land. They had an almond gate and a raisin <laughs> gate, and there's an M and M gate somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a chocolate land of some sort around there. So, can I petition that raisin gate becomes crazy gate? <laughs> oh, there you go. That'd be awesome. <laughs> the superior dried fruit. Very much. I like both, but for different purposes. Like, if I'm just going to eat something, I probably would prefer a craisin, but I really like raisin cookies. But also, Ooh, craisins would be good in cookies if you did, like, craisins and white chocolate. That would be really mm -hmm. good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're all hungry now. <laughs> well, we keep talking about sweets, and I don't know. I'm still going back to having someone bite the head off a gingerbread man, and I kind of want to go find a gingerbread man. <laughs> just threaten him. Hey, give me your gumdrop buttons. Kind of hard to find gingerbread men when we're recording this in May. Yeah, so, <laughs> gingerbread men aren't that plentiful you know at this time just, of year. Just just kill my dreams. You know what? First, you introduce <laughs> us to this highly, you know, wrong version of the Nutcracker. <laughs> I mean, when we're done, you probably could just go and bake yourself some gingerbread if you've got the, the ingredients. I don't have any ginger on hand. 
Wow, we tangented. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, well, I can't find any anything like without like actually reading the book, and it's not a short book. Maybe I should have just checked the Wikipedia page. <laughs> well, you know, for next time. Quicker. You know, for next time when I ask a dumb question. Actually, you know what? Probably looking at the book is the wrong thing to look at because I don't think that is from the book. I think that's from the ballet. <laughs> no wonder I couldn't find it. I think <laughs> they probably took the idea of thing places based on candy from the book and turned it into a whole land for the ballet. Oh. I keep forgetting that the book and the ballet are different. Like, I just kind of... Actually, I assumed that the book was like a children's adaptation of the ballet when it's the other way around. The ballet was based on the book and they changed a lot. Land of Sweets. So you were correct. Cool. So Candyland is an invention of this Mickey version. So it's all elaborate ruse. Something like by, that. By Mickey and Goofy to trick Minnie in that she's in a different area. Wow. Maybe they were trying to sell their own version of the board game at Disneyland and they wanted to have some corporate synergy. <laughs> Anyways, back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> you get different versions of different songs by different characters, completely overhauled. You have a version of the Chinese dance sung by Chip and Dale, and also Tina is back for some reason. <laughs> And this one gave me Munchkin Land of Oz vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was just their voices. It just seemed like something the Munchkins would sing. I was going to say, too, it really reminded me, like, it's, and I know that the Chippendale are kind of in the same realm as Elvin and the Chipmunks, but that that level of pitch, I was just sitting there waiting for them to start singing Christmas, Christmas time, <laughs> time for joy and time for cheer. They should do something like that. And then after that, you get Dance of the Reed Flutes, except it's Roger Rabbit singing about brushing your teeth. <laughs> and I about died. I was like, this is so 90s. You gotta get the edutainment moral for children in there about brushing your teeth, because you can't just feed them sugar. You gotta tell them they better brush their teeth, too. <laughs> well, they kind of have, like... Uh differing messages because he's talking about brushing your teeth but the rat king is talking about like the only thing that will turn him back human is sugar like is it a good thing is it a bad thing we don't know i don't think they knew ah true <laughs> that is that is a compelling argument and i think you're probably right there was no consistency on whether sugar was a good thing or a bad thing in this version <laughs> <laughs> And then Tigger comes in, and you get, like, a country-western version of the Russian dance. <laughs> I would not have put Tigger as a country music fan. No. Am I the only one? <laughs> there were so many weird choices in this, but I, I loved how weird it was. <laughs> then the Rat King shows up in the room with the narrator and says he's got a new ending to the story. He's just going to ruin Christmas by stopping the entire show. And then he goes on stage and Mickey sneaks up behind him and bashes him with what appears to be a, like a 25 pound bag of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and then he changes into Conrad from the beginning. 
<laughs> Which I knew it was him all along because he had the same oh weird voice. Gasp. <laughs> way to way to, you know, spoil the, the biggest, most epic reveal of the nineties. <laughs> but even though he's happy to be human again, he's still depressed about being alone. And they try and cheer him up with candy, and Tina shows up and asks if he's gonna finish that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a match made in heaven, let's be honest. <laughs> and then the narrator says he doesn't know how the story ends because the Rat King tore out the last few pages. So Mickey decides he knows a good ending and he proposes to Minnie and asks her to stay with him in Candyland. The end. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a 90s ending. <laughs> this whole thing was so very 90s. <laughs> yeah. With the exception of Tigger going all country, I feel like that's, I don't know what that is. That's subverted expectations that are still being pondered today. <laughs> that was probably the most out of left field. <laughs> like it was, it even felt slightly more out of left field than the hard rock rap thing, because that was a thing that happened in the 90s. The country one was just like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Why is this? How is this? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was Mickey's Nutcracker. I haven't watched too many versions yet, but this is probably one of the weirdest, but also kind of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think at some point, John, that you'll like rank all of the ones that you've seen at that point? Or that's probably a ways off. I've thought about doing that with different versions. Like I had wanted... To... <laughs> Back when I started doing like the Alice in Wonderland ones, I was like, you know, in the in the future, once we've gotten through them all, it'd be fun to rank them. But now I'm like 80 versions in. It's like, <laughs> how am I supposed to rank this? Well, I know this one was number one and I know this one was the last, but what do I do with these other 85? Hmm. <laughs> it, I probably will eventually, like at some point I have to run out of versions of certain stories you and, say that, but... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But I feel like there won't be that many of the Nutcracker, but I keep finding new ones, so who knows? <laughs> I come out with a new Nutcracker uh, at least once a year, I feel like. I feel like the better compromise would just be to do like a top 10 instead of trying to rank them all, or maybe do a tier list. Oh, there you go. I mean, I think I was talking about this with Katie the other day when we were doing our animated movies of 2022. Tier lists are almost easier because sometimes it's just so hard to pick which one is better in certain areas. Because I think we have the same problem with like our top three or four were all kind of interchangeable. Like they're all good for different reasons. Right. And then like the next chunk, it was like, now how do we rank these? Because they're all really good. Not quite as good as the others, but they're all really good. But then which goes where? And so tier lists would help with that. Well, the nice thing about that is, and obviously this is, you know, down the road, but when you get enough to like enough built up to kind of, you know, do a tier list, you maybe go another another bit if you run across a whole slew of new ones and you can go back to that tier list and add them where you where you need to. That is true. That is easier than re-ranking things. Oh, absolutely. That might be the way to go if I ever decide to either rank or tier list things i think tier list probably would be easier yeah or even mm -hmm. if it's like something that you do a lot of so say alice in wonderland you know yeah. at the end of every year you're like okay this is a short one we're just updating the tier list you know there were three that we or four that we covered this year here's where they fall 
Or maybe even like doing a hybrid, like pick our top five or top 10 and then tier list all of them. There you go. I like where this is going. I love it when a plan <laughs> comes together. <laughs> well, I suppose we probably can close the episode. This was an interesting one. I don't know <laughs> if I will have any that are more interesting than this one. It's going to have to be a, it's going to have to do quite a lot to match this. I feel like, I mean, I'm not done recording ones that I've got planned, but I feel like the other ones that I want to do are going to be more, well, I shouldn't say they're going to be more traditional because I'm going to do a, a an episode with Rachel about Hallmark versions. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't, they, they, that probably won't be very traditional because they're going to be Hallmark movies, romance, comedies, <laughs> exactly. whatever. But they're not going to be as ni- like quirkily 90s. No, definitely not. I'm pretty sure all of them were at least the last five years. Oh, okay. Nice. And one of them probably isn't even going to be a full version of the Nutcracker. I think it's just about people putting on a Nutcracker play and then falling in love. I'm not sure. I'm kind (laughs) of fudging that one so we can have multiple versions in one episode. So I I think think it still counts. It's still relatively within that. It still falls within that realm. It involves a yeah. nutcracker, so and I'm sure within and and I'm spitballing here, but in the Hallmark movies I've seen that involve things like this, they do tend to bring elements of that back into mm-hmm. it. Not a, like not the full story, but like yeah. those those bits, whether it be music or the way something is shot or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll get to it or not, but there's a Care Bears version that I want to do with one of my cousins. Oh my because god, she that's loves awesome. Care Bears. <laughs> I mean, she loves like all 80s stuff. So if I can have a chance to get together with her sometime in the next month, I would like to do Care Bears with her. Anyways, I suppose before we tangent again, we should probably <laughs> bring this one to a close. Yeah, three hours later, we're still sitting here tangenting. <laughs> Actually, we've done pretty good on this. It's not much more than an hour. So oh, this might be a record. Yeah, for but us. about half of it was <laughs> tangents, let's be honest. It probably yeah. is. <laughs> not complaining mind you because it was fun tangents yes yeah anyways you guys want to let people know where they can find you if they want to see more of what you do nikki uh if you are in the mood for a weird random uh or straight up bad or obscure movie uh stop on over at my channel on youtube um trivial theater i uh, do all kinds of random stuff over there uh mostly movies uh i as of this I will have probably put out all kinds of stuff, hopefully, um, collabs and and solid or solo reviews. So definitely stop by, say hi, um, check out a review or two. And Katie, and you can find me at Katie Draws Things either on Twitter or Instagram. And I draw things, and I also animate things sometimes when I get the chits. Her stuff is fantastic. Her stuff is absolutely fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's true. Katie draws things really, really well. She doesn't just draw things. They're they're pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah. Katie draws <laughs> things. Okay. <laughs> Katie draws things awesome. I mean, I'll probably have the art that she drew for this episode on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. So you Yay. can you can see how great Katie draws things for yourself. I mean, you can see by the look on all of our faces that we're ecstatic about it. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, thanks for joining me. We will 
talk again soon. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to every version ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies podcast network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.